Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Listen, grab your Bibles real quickly. Grab your Bibles real quickly. If you can stand with me just for a split second, I want to read one verse for you. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. And while you're finding that scripture text, if you could just simply repeat after me and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renewing me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 31, 31 being the last text of this particular chapter. When you got it, say, I got it. Amen. For those who don't have it, you can find it on the screen, and I want to read it for you. This is what the word of the Lord says for the people of the Lord. It simply reads this God saw. All that he had made, not just one thing, not just two things, not just three things, but God saw all that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. On this day, God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. For a moment today, as we start this brand new series entitled Under Construction, subtitled Fixing We Through Me, I want to talk to you today about what is broken. What is broken? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord on today. What is broken? Many people who know me uh, know that uh, I take my faith and my relationship with God serious, and I, I, I also try to mimic Jesus as best as I can. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus, uh, besides being the son of God, he spent his time fixing and repairing things. It's amazing that the one who came to fix and repair us was also fixing and repairing things. And so I like to to spend time doing a little carpentry on the side when I can. Uh, Some things that I learned in carpentry uh, that I can understand Uh, that helps me realize what God's role is in our lives and especially what Christ's role is. Uh, A prime example, in in our last location, a couple of other locations, I would build a stage uh, for us to have. A a stage is a platform. It elevates you to another level. It puts you in a position where everybody can see you, a stage. But in order for the stage, which becomes a platform that elevates you, it takes somebody to do some labor. It takes somebody to put in some work. And there's three parts of a stage. The first part that you have of a stage is the external frame. That's the box. That's what people can see uh, from the naked eye. But the next part that people see is the actual platform of the stage. But what people fail to realize is that it's just not the frame on the external part of the stage and the platform that makes the stage. What you have inside of the stage is called stabilizer. 
post. And what the stabilizer post, it, it supports the weight of whoever it is on the stage so that this stage will not fall in, will not break every time somebody stomps or walks. It, it's essentially the foundation that holds everything together. I, I love this principle because it lets me know that a church is not built off of one person. It, it requires multiple people doing multiple things to serve its purpose, one not being greater than the other. All of us have to work together to get to where we need to be. And the thing is, if one thing is out of place, out of position, then that stage is worthless. And so we're starting a new series entitled Under Construction, Fixing We Through Me. And I believe that this is very important because I think a, a mistake that a lot of young pastors, a lot of young preachers, and maybe even some old preachers make is that we steady try to fix the church as a whole, but don't try to help people fix themselves as individuals. And the truth of the matter is that the church is only as strong as the people who make up the church. So we steady want to talk about the churches in a financial situation. Let's, let's give more money. Let's make more things happen. But the truth of the matter is people can't give what they don't know how to budget. And, and so you want people to give, but the problem is that they truly are broke. You're not fixing the people problem so that you can fix the problem of the church. You want people to have better relationships with people in ministry, but the truth of the matter is that you hadn't helped people fix their own relationships in their personal life. And so as a result of it, they can only represent and mimic in the, in the church what they do in their personal life. I believe that our church, not just our church, but our church as a whole, the universal church, I believe that the church is suffering because the people are suffering. I believe that the church has gotten so caught up in worrying about if we have the biggest building, if we have the best members, if we have the most money. If, 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 and I can tell this by the conversations that pastors have with pastors. They get together and they have lunches and they, they're like, Pastor, man, how many are you preaching to on Sunday, Doc? And, and, you know, pastors, we lie about our numbers. We tell y'all not to lie, but we get together and we fudge. I, I know, oh, man, you know, I'm seeing about 200 on a Sunday, knowing he ain't seeing nothing but 80. And, and it's just trying to, trying to give the fluff, trying to make people feel good about it. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're worried about the wrong things. Jesus, when his life on earth, when, his, when he was doing ministry, not once did I wear it, but did he, I see him worried about fit, building a building. Not once did I worry about who was coming to the chapel. He was steady going to the people. You see him over and over healing people problems. After all, ministry is about meeting the needs of people. But I think what we've gotten so focused on is making sure we meet the needs of the church. And we hadn't found a way to meet the needs of the people. I see Jesus healing lame people. I see Jesus recovering sight to the blind. I see Jesus uh, uh, healing a woman that had an issue of blood. I, I see Jesus healing a, a woman that delivers a woman who has been sleeping with multiple different men and, and none of them were her husband. I see Jesus all along in the Bible ministering to people, meeting the needs of people. And, and so I realized that as an under-shepherd, as a pastor, that my focus is not a worrying about building a church because if I build people, if I believe in people, then the people will in turn build the church. That's what happens. Jesus spent his ministry with 12 men. Even though one of them betrayed him, we know Judas made a mistake, but the truth of the matter is those 12 men played a part in us being who we are, where we are today because he met the needs of the people. 
Just declare that God, you just declare that God, you're going to be a simple series, but I believe it's going to be a, a very in-depth series. It might take us a couple of months. We're going to fix we, the church, through me. We're going to fix that because we want to fix the individuals. And the thing is, in order to fix something, you first have to realize that it's broken. Many of us are tricking ourselves, fooling ourselves because we can dress up, we can uh, get nice taper face like Beryl and, and look good. We can go, go through all these things. We can clean ourselves up on the outside, but we're tricking ourselves because the truth of the matter is we may look good on the outside, but we're broken on the inside. And I want you to understand it's like buying a car that's a lemon. It can have the, the best shine on the outside. It can have the best wax job. It can have new tires. But if that motor ain't right, you got a problem. And as believers, as Christians, as people who are, are pushing forward, who are supposed to be carrying the mantle of Christ, that are supposed to be living the life that God has called us to live, we can only fake it until we make it for so long. And the truth of the matter is many of us are faking it, but ain't all of us making it. And so we have to get to a point in our lives where we understand and we admit that we are broken. We are broken. We are not focused on a kingdom agenda. We're not focused on what God desires for us. It's okay for us to admit that, that we're so caught up in making money that we forget what God has called us to really do. We're so caught up in trying to find the next husband or wife that we forget that the relationship that we should really try to mend is the relationship with God. It's okay to admit that we're broken, but today my goal is to identify the broken areas of our lives so that we can understand that if we can't fix where we're truly broken, everything that we're trying to do on the outside to fix what's broken on the inside won't work. It's like a Sunday. I like Sundays. My wife likes to go to Brahms and get Sundays. And you can give me a Sunday with double scoops of vanilla ice cream, hot fudge, a caramel on top, nice whipped cream. And for me, if the cherry ain't there, it ain't a Sunday. My wife, she can eat it without the cherry, but for me, I got to have the cherry on top. It can't be missing the fudge. It can't be missing the caramel. It can't be missing the cherry. All of this together is what makes a Sunday. And so I want to make sure that you understand there's some principles that we're missing, and you may not be missing all of them, but you may be missing some of them. And if you're missing any of them, then you're not complete. You're not whole. Salvation is about making you whole. It's about making you who God has created you. I want you to understand something, that when God created man, we looked in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, when God created man, he created the sun, he created the moon, he created the stars, he created the water, the separation. When he did all of this over the, the six-day span, he said, out of his mouth, it is good. Every day he did something, he said it was good. And then on the sixth day, when he had finally done the final thing with man, he said, it's very good. I've done everything that I need to do. Everything has been put into place. He gave man all dominion, all power. 
told him to name the animals. He, he gave man, and I say man, male and female. He, he did this. He, he, he put them in the, the best relationship with having each other. It wasn't no side chicks. None of that was there. It was just him and his wife, Adam and Eve. All of this was going on. Everything was good. There was no drama. There was no problems. Everything was good. How did we go from everything being good to where we are now? If God seen it, he created us in his image, he made things happen, and he said everything was good, how did we go from everything being good to where we are now? Everybody knows the story. It was sin. You know that three-letter word that you can't mention in church because everybody doing something wrong. Don't nobody want you to talk about who they sleeping with or the lies that they doing or what drugs. You can't talk about that type of stuff. You just got to tell people, oh, if you give, we're going to grow and things. They want the fluff. They don't want to know that sin is really the problem within your life. The reason that you're going through financial difficulties and, and you're stressing is not because you're not giving to the church. It's because you're probably sinning with what you got. The reason why your relationship ain't right is not because you're not doing more in the church, but it's probably because your relationship is not built on what Christ has called your relationship to build on. It's about the principles. It's about having the right foundation, the things that you need in place. And so I want to make sure that you understand how sin affects your life and how it breaks you. I want you to understand how it breaks you. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks after this, maybe even the next couple of months, how, understanding how we can develop a better relationship. But today is all about discovering the problem. Because the truth of the matter is, if you don't realize you have a problem, then you'll never try to fix it. If you don't realize you have a problem, then you will never try to fix it. My mother-in-law re recently... Uh, had been living in our house, uh, enjoying it. Everything was fine. I believe one day she went out, or my father-in-law went out to the backyard, and, and they smelt gas in the backyard. They couldn't see gas. They couldn't feel the gas, but they can smell the gas. Called the gas company out. They came and looked at it, and come to find out they had a, a pipe that was under a concrete slab, the driveway of their house that was leaking. The city had a responsibility because it supplies the gas to turn off the gas. We can't allow the gas to flow. But the pipe that was broken was on their side of the line, which makes them responsible, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law responsible for it. It's not the city's responsibility to fix their problems. And so we're in a position now where, here, here it is, that because it's on your side of the line, it's your responsibility to fix the problem. Now, they could have just ignored the smell of gas and kept going. And that, that, that problem that they ignored would have became a bigger problem. Could have had an explosion, anything. They, they could have expected somebody else to fix their problem. But the truth of the matter is the problem was their problem. And it was affecting them from being able to cook. It was affecting them from being able to have hot water. So what? Because it's their problem, they have a responsibility to do what? Fix it. Many of us, we smell a problem, but we ignore the problem. And it's not until the problem blows up in our face that we try to fix it and say, oh, how did, how did my life get here? Can I help you understand something? There are signs before destruction. There are signs before you reach a point of destruction, 
that can help you turn around and keep from entering the point of where you are that destroys your life, that sends your life into a catastrophic spin where it's harder to get out of a situation than it was to get in a situation. But in order for you to to bounce back, you have to not ignore the signs, but observe the signs and do what it is that you have to do to keep from ending in those situations. So today, it's all about discovering the problems. What are the problems of sin? Because if we can be honest, to the flesh, sin feels good. I mean, I I ain't had no problem sinning. It was just the issue after sins that was the problem. Sin was fun. But the pain that came from the mistakes and the decisions I made was the problem. And so for me, I want to make sure that we can identify how sin affects our lives as a believer. Because there was a problem. If in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God says everything is good, how do we get to where we are now? Well, Genesis chapter 2 is not even worth our time. We don't even have to read Genesis chapter 2 because Genesis chapter 2 is just a recap of what took place on day 6 of Genesis chapter 1. It's an in-depth study of how God created man, put man to sleep, brought, uh, brought woman from man, gave them dominion. They named the animals. That's all there. It's good stuff. We should always uh, understand and look at it. But the truth is that from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 3 is where we see the true transformation. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 3, sin finds its way to creep into the world. Sin is the one thing that comes to destroy what God has put together. Sin is the problem where there has not been a problem. I want you to understand the value of what God had did. He had created us in his image. Everything that he created is good. In other words, there was no racism. There was no prejudice. There was no Cops killing unarmed people. There there was none of this. We didn't have none of these issues. There was no poisoning. There was no AIDS. There was no HIV. There was none of that. None of that existed until we encountered sin. None of that was even a possibility until we encountered sin. So in Genesis chapter 3, what we see is sin entering the garden, sin entering in a safe place, a holy place, a place that is designated for God and man. Sin has found its way to enter in. Now, some people would teach in Sunday school that the serpent was the devil, but if we, we grown-ups, we don't have to play that game. The serpent was the, wasn't the devil. The serpent was being used by the devil because the Bible goes on to tell us how the serpent was punished in the text uh, because of its mistakes and saying being used by the devil. So we know that uh, anybody, I want you to understand this, can be used by the devil. Your husband, your wife, your friend, your boyfriend, your cousin, anybody that gives way to listen to what the enemy has seen can cause destruction. It can happen in the church. All it takes is somebody to allow the devil to be weak enough to allow the devil to whisper in their ear. And the thing is, what you hear, then what it does, it begins to bounce around in your head and you begin to allow it to form into something in the natural that was only in the mental. And and, and that's right, we entertain it, and so by entertaining it, we bring it, we give it life. And so I want to show you in the text what sin did. How did they sin? What took place? Adam and Eve ate the fruit. We're not blaming Eve, men. We're not going to do that today. It, It is what it is. Adam been playing that story for years. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. They both knew what God wanted them to do. And they both knew what God didn't want them to do. 
and they did it anyway. Adam and Eve ate the fruit, and what we see in the text is there's three areas of their life that ends up broken because of what they did. The first area that I want to make sure that you understand that we are all suffering from because of sin within our lives is that we are spiritually broken. We are spiritually broken because of sin. I want you to understand what does it mean that you're spiritually broken. Your relationship, your umbilical cord with God has been severed because of sin. In other words, sin has put you in a, a disadvantage where you don't have the relationship with God that you're supposed to. Pastor, what do you mean that I don't have the relationship with God that I'm supposed to? God is not God to most of us. We don't really see and reverence God as God. How do I know that? Because our lifestyle shows that we don't reverence God as God. Many of us have more respect for the preacher than we do for God. Have more respect for our parents than we do for God. You want to know how I know that you don't respect and honor God the same way you respect and honor your parents or your pastor? I've seen people, when their pastor come around and they smoke, they put their cigarettes down. Pastor come around, they turn their radio station real quick. They, they, they make all of these changes real quick. They sit up straight. All these things change because the pastor come around. They cussed, oh, pastor, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. I didn't, I didn't mean to say that, man. I didn't mean to fix my tongue. Or somebody else cussed around, man, don't talk like that. That's the pastor. They have reverence for that, that man that represents God. Your parents, there's things that you could do in your private life all around, but when you're around your parents, I don't see you do. There's some things that I've seen my wife do, uh, not around her mom and daddy, but when she get around her mom and daddy, she ain't doing it. Same thing with me. It's a different level of respect and honor for my parents than we have for each other. And the reason why I say that, I know that you don't reverence and honor God because you're always in the presence of God. You're always in his presence. But you ain't always acting like it. You're not. And so as a result of it, what it shows me is that your spiritual relationship with God is broken. Because the truth of the matter is, if we were spiritually aligned with God the way we were supposed to be, some things that we do, we would not do. Eve showed us in the text. What did she do? She, she, she gave ear to the serpent. She entertained his foolishness. He said what? Man, you can eat this and you, you won't really die. In other words, you won't die physically, but you will die spiritually. You won't really die. And, and, and she, says, she says, well, God told me not to, to do it. And he says, no, no, don't worry about it. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. And she says, I mean, you're cute. Okay. I'll take a bite. She gives in. She does what she thinks is in private, what she wouldn't do in public, in his presence. If you truly understood how sin destroys you, it breaks you. It breaks the relationship that you have with God. 
It takes you out of his presence. I know that it breaks people because I want, I want to help you. We're looking at a room. We, we have over 60, 70 members, clearly. I know without a problem. But we're looking at a room that's half full right now. Why? Because of the simple fact that people don't reverence God. It's more people at home getting ready for the Cowboys to play at 3.30 than it is in the church right now. They care about what, what, what's happening at 3.30. You might not even make it there. There was a man, we know the story, of a Dallas police officer shooting a man that was at home minding his own business. He didn't open his door expecting to be shot. He was wondering, who was it at my door? 26. Was singing in the, he was the praise and worship leader at his church, doing everything right, making political moves, a possible future leader of our city. Gone. I'm not about to teach that to hate on police. We already know we got issues there. But I'm teaching it to help you understand you don't know when your last minute is. He was in the safety of his own home. And destruction came to destroy him. You can leave here today. And that's why I say spiritually we ain't right. Some of us. Because if we were, we wouldn't play with God the way we do. And so for about a couple of weeks from, from today, we're going to talk more about how do we repair ourselves spiritually because I think in order to fix the, the spirituality of the church, we have to fix the spirituality of the individual. But today is about identifying that you know what, God, you're right. I don't reverence you the way I'm supposed to reverence you. And as a result of it, I have to admit that I'm spiritually broken. I just want to help some people to come to terms with the fact that today is the day that you have to go to your spiritual anonymous class and admit that I, I just may be spiritually broken. I, I may be spiritually broken. I may not cuss in front of the pastor, but I cuss in front of God every day. I, I may not lie to my pastor, but I lie in the presence of God every day. Today is the day that I admit my priorities have been all jacked up. God, I, I am spiritually broken, and as a result of it is why I may not be getting what I'm supposed to be getting. Eve and Adam were spiritually broken. They, they gave into the temptation. They, they desired they desired what the world had to offer more than what God had to offer. That's what sin makes you do. It desires you to satisfy the flesh more than it does the spirit. You ever want to know if you're sinning? Does this please my flesh or does it please my spirit? Is this a kingdom agenda or is this a personal agenda? But this is the problem because when, when you find yourself broken spiritually, it does not just stop there because what happens is spiritual brokenness leads to emotional brokenness. And so I want to suggest today that some of us, my second point is understanding that we are emotionally broken. We are emotionally broken. Pastor, how do we know that we are emotionally broken? This is what happened in the text. They ate of the apple, right? And immediately they looked at each other and they was like, man, we naked. Oh, you don't look as good as I thought you looked. Something is wrong. Let's go hide in the bushes. Let's go cover ourselves up. Before they sinned, they had not a problem with their own personal appearances. They were okay. They were happy. It was all good. But after they sinned, 
it was like, man, something don't feel right. Can I help you all today, y'all? If we can be honest, cause my kids young enough, they don't understand what I'm about to say. Uh, Sometimes we go home with people that we don't supposed to go home with, and, and we feel good about going home with them, and everything is good. But after we, we feel good and we do the good, and after that is all done, and we look over and we like, ugh. <laughs> Man, my mama called me. I got to go. I'm wondering, how did I, how did I get here? That, that, that feeling, that nasty, that disgusting feeling like I, I've done something wrong. I don't pose to be in this place, this position. That, that's that emotional instability. That's, that, that, that is a key problem in us as believers is that our spiritual brokenness leads to us being emotionally broke. And we wonder why people come to church upset. We wonder why people come into church frustrated. They're not happy. They don't have the peace of God residing in their heart. You can't have God's peace without God. The Bible says that he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. But you can't have that peace if you don't have God. And so your spiritual brokenness leads to an emotional brokenness. So emotionally, the church is suffering because we're, we're broken individually. Our marriages are not right. We don't feel good about ourselves. So it's hard to come to church and smile and be nice to people and hug on people and love people and have a place that is full of encouragement when all of us are dealing with emotional problems. All of us are dealing with things that we are emotionally broken about because we don't have peace that God has promised us because we don't have the relationship that God has, has designed for us that's all good because we're dealing with the all bad because we're steady dealing with sin. We're steady dealing with this brokenness that leaves us to desire from the world what really is just a fake replication. It's a fake Doomy and Burks. It's a fake uh, Gucci. It's a fake whatever compared to what God wants to give you. And so as a result of it, we find ourselves emotionally broken. Adam and Eve run and they begin to hide themselves. They, they, they don't like what they look like. They don't like how they feel. And the Bible says that they hear God walking in the garden. <laughs> Listen, I like when God just, I can feel his presence, but they were in a position where they heard him walking in the garden. In other words, that was a physical manifestation of who God was in their presence, that they could see, hear, feel, and touch. And, and, and because of the sin, there was a separation that had to take place. They were emotionally destroyed. They hide themselves, and God comes and he says, listen, where, where are y'all? Not because he was running. He knew where they were. He's not a fool. But he knew something had changed. He knew something had changed and they came and they had their little fig leaf mini skirts on and tank tops. And God was like, what, what, what are y'all doing? And he said, God, this is the latest fashion. I went down to Big T Bazaar and picked this up. <laughs> Big Tree Bazaar. And, and, and <laughs> Big Tree Bazaar, that's good right there. And, 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 and God says, who told y'all you were naked? I, I want you to understand. I want you to understand the, 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 the power of that question. He didn't ask them, did y'all eat of the tree? His hope was that they never would eat of the tree. He wanted, he wanted to at least 
believe that they had done nothing wrong. And so he asked them, who told you that you were naked? You know, you know, parents don't like to think that their kids are the ones that are bad. And so they try to find a way to place the blame on somebody else. Who told you you were naked? In other words, I know y'all ain't did what I think you did. Somebody in this garden that don't belong. I, I know who he is. Where is he at? I need to find him so I can deal with him. Who told you you were, were naked? This week... Uh, my daughter got me sick. I got my wife sick. And uh, it's funny <laughs> because my wife, she takes sickness like a champ. I mean, I don't know how she does it. She's strong. She doesn't look sick. She still cooks. She still prepares lunches. She still goes to work. I go to work when I'm sick. But when I woke up every morning when I was sick, it was like mucus and I was regurgitating mucus. It was just awful. It was, it was over. And she just looked at me like, you, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I'm in pain. It hurts. It feels like I'm going to die. And she was like, you need to pull yourself together. Now, she's just as sick as I am, but she doesn't look like it. And I was, and I told her, and I told her, it ain't my fault that you supposed to be strong. I can do stuff physically that you can't do. <laughs> I was, and I thought about that the day when I was getting ready to teach this message because I was, couldn't help but to think how weak Adam was. <laughs> God go jamming Adam up and he, he in the interrogation room and his first thing he do is, that woman you gave me. <laughs> like, man, I wasn't built to deal with this, man. <laughs> she, the one that gave, she the one that made me eat this apple, man. She the one that broke me. She the one that caused this disconnect in us. <laughs> And, and, and that, that, that's crazy because I want to make sure that you understand something that happens when you go from a place of being spiritually broken and it leads you to a place of being emotionally broken. The last and final principle that I want to encourage you that what it does is it makes you relationally broken. It makes it hard for you to connect with people. It makes it hard for you to have relationship because that's what sin does. See, God had put Adam and Eve together, but but their sin had what? Broke them apart. They were supposed to be a team. They were supposed to be one. But in this situation, they're divided. And so when we give away to sin, it has a problem. It has a way of destroying relationships. So we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about the spiritual brokenness. We're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about the, the uh, emotional brokenness. And how to repair those things. And we're going to spend some time talking about the relational brokenness. And the reason why we want to talk about that is because the relationships that you have in your personal life, the way that you manage the relationships in your personal life, will determine how your relationships function within the church. If you don't know how to manage a relationship with your mother, your husband, your friends, how do you expect to manage a relationship in the church? This is why members turn against members. This is why gossip happens in the church. This is why people are always mad at one member because their relationship, they don't know how to deal with conflict. They don't know how to deal with, with things that, with leadership, different things. They have all of these different issues. 
because they have a spiritual problem that has led to an emotional problem that has led to a relational problem. Now, my prayer is, because today is all about identifying the problem, I want to make sure that you understand something. You can't have one of the problems and not have the others. This brokenness, it comes together. It's a unit. And I believe that just like that stage I was telling you guys about earlier, building and putting together, you need the external, you need the internal, and you need the, 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 the foundation, you need the, the stage that you stand on. You need all the units in order for this to be a stage. And I believe if our church is really going to grow, that if we're going to do anything, the first thing that we have to do is begin to heal ourselves spiritually. And you may not realize this, but this coincides with our motto, with our belief, because our belief is that what? We believe in God, we believe in ourselves, and we believe in others. Believing in God is our spiritual healness, is us becoming spiritually whole. We have to have a belief in God. Now, I want to make sure that you understand that when you believe in God, you will live your life to the best of your ability, honoring him in every aspect of your life. When you really believe in God. Not only do we want to believe in God, but we want to believe in ourselves. Believing in ourselves means that we are emotionally stable. We want to have emotional healing within our lives. I want to see people begin to heal emotionally because there's people who've been told they're ugly. There's people who've been molested. There's people who've been, been cheated on and they have emotional problems. And the church should be the place where you come and you're able to open up and deal with those things and grow. And so I want to spend some time talking about how do we heal? How do we grow emotionally? Because I need emotionally healthy people to help bring other broken people so that they can be nursed to health as well. We believe in God, we believe in ourselves, but we believe in others. It's our responsibility to heal ourselves relationally, to be able to have a good and positive relationship with other people, even if we don't agree with everything that they do or with everything that they say. If we allow sin to enter in, to our lives, then we will continually be broken in these areas. Today is not about identifying how to fix it. Today is just identifying that I'm broken. And if we can finally come to terms with I'm broken, my prayer is that as this week progresses, as we begin to dig further into this series, as we continue to go, my prayer is that if you can finally realize that I'm broken, then you will take it serious from this point on to know what I need to do to fix it. It's kind of like medicine. I don't like taking medicine. I can't stand taking pills. I hate even taking just my basic allergy medicine. My wife has it in a little pill pack like I'm 60 years old already, ready and laid out for me. Two vitamins and my allergy pill, already ready. She can always tell when I hadn't taken my medicine because the days are marked Sunday through Saturday and there will be gaps and I'm not about wasting money just throwing the pills away. But she'll tell me, you didn't take your medicine this week, and I'll have an allergy attack. I'll have all these issues. And she's like, that's why, because you didn't take your medicine. There's no use of knowing that you have a problem, but you won't take and do what you have to do to fix it. 
if you're not going to fix your problem, then catch this. Stop complaining about it. Accept it. Embrace it. If that's the life that you want, don't drag nobody else into your mess. Accept that that's your life, that you want misery, but we don't want to be a part of it. If you don't want to change, be like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, listen, how do I get in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus said, listen, all you got to do is go sell everything you got, come back, give it to the people that, uh, that need it the most, and then come follow me. He had the opportunity to follow Jesus and enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, no, Jesus, this ain't what I want to do. I'm going to leave. I got more respect for him than some of us in this church that live in the life of Christ, that we're faking it. Because I want to make sure that you understand what you're doing. Every time you leave here claiming to be a Christian, you become an ambassador of Christ. And every time somebody that does not have a relationship with God that is honest enough to say, I'm broken, I don't know Jesus, I don't know, and you come and act like you do, but you're acting a fool just like them, which makes them not want to be a part of the kingdom, you are responsible for it. You are responsible for them not wanting to get their life with Christ. And so for me, I want to be different. I don't want to be the church that has all the fancy lights, which we will get there again. We had it, we'll get there again. But more than anything, I don't want to be a church that's built off of entertaining people. I want to be a church that is built off of what God has said. We come together for number one, to be encouraged, number two, to be educated. You want your entertainment? Go to whatever club you go to, do whatever you do, whatever movie theater, the Comedy Central, whatever it is. Go, that, that's your entertainment. Here should be about encouragement and education. Here should be about growth. And until we get serious about that, we'll never reach our full potential. If you can give work seven days a week, why can't you give God one? If you can binge watch Grey's Anatomy, why can't you come to Bible study for an hour? It's, it's simple things like that that show that you're serious about your relationship with God. You'll be on the phone with your boo all night but won't come give God a minute of prayer. We got to hit our priorities in order. So today is just about awareness. You leave today knowing that you have to evaluate yourself and determine, am I broken? And if I'm broken, am I willing to fix it? And if you are, I pray that I see you here next Sunday because we will begin to fix these problems individually so that we can fix these problems corporately. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, God. Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message.